Hey, you're listening to Blindsight. Let's go. Mental health isn't something to take lightly. It's time to fight. It's time to thrive. Let's do this. Man. Alrighty, welcome to Blindside. <laughs> this is your host, Bill Lundgren, and I'm with Jonathan Bryce. We're having a good time here. Mm-hmm. This is actually the first of this first episode of the second year of, of Blindside. So welcome. I was just thinking before we went on the air, boy, after a year I should have it. Uh, have it right, and boy, was I wrong. (laughs) We've been both so wrong this whole week, Bill. It's been so hilarious. I mean, one thing after another has just been, uh, I can't even describe how much crap has happened this week with all these shows. Anyway. And that's what happens, you know. It's it's like a, a waterfall, you know. It just... It starts one after another, and you can't oh, stop man. it. <laughs> it just does, you, you know. When it and it comes in threes, you know. Yeah. When it rains, mm-hmm. it pours. It comes in threes, and so I'm just waiting for the second and third thing to drop. So, ah, uh, it's only be only a... two have already dropped. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, my friend? I'm doing okay. I had a wonderful four weeks with my. Uh, four days. I wish it was four weeks. Four weeks. Four days with my grandniece in Omaha, and I'd never been in Omaha before. Nice. And I was impressed. And uh, my guide dog didn't have to put on the harness once, and he had two girlfriends to run around mm. with. And he was a total mess when he got back here. He <laughs> said, what, I have to work, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, you're not going to have any uh, puppies running around anytime soon, are you? No, no, no. He fires blanks, but okay. Uh, so do the girls. <laughs> so do the girls. You know. <laughs> oh man, this show is taking a very interesting turn. Quick heavens. Yeah. Well, we're talking about emotional dependency today, yeah. and uh, you know there is a, you know, it's it's a term that's thrown around a lot. Yeah, but it and it has lots of meaning for people. Some of it okay, and some of it's not. And what yep. what you and I talked about doing was to talk about well the, the negative and the positive of emotional dependency. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I'm, I have a certain dependency on my dog for. Uh, understandable reasons. He can see sure. and I can't. And, <laughs> right. And sometimes I think I, I know where we're going and he looks up at me and says, Ah, uh, Lundgren. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, let's not cross the busy Colfax. Exactly. Or, or, you know, you're going in the opposite direction of where you want to go. Right. And I know I'm supposed to obey you, but uh, give me a break. <laughs> I do the I do the same thing with my damn GPS. I'll put in an address, and I'll say, I know which way I'm going to go. And then she tells me, no, go this way. It's going to be faster. And I was like, screw you, Siri. I'm not doing that. And I go my own way, and I'm 15 minutes late. <laughs> right, so right, right. That's I, it. Whatever. That's it. And, that, and that's what dogs, you know, I'm sure he write, he writes, Note to his uh, union shop door saying, "Oh yeah, difficult working conditions." But anyway, 
back to the subject. Yeah. You know, when we're kids, when we're babies, we have to be emotionally dependent towards at least our mother, if not both yeah. of our parents. Mm-hmm. That's appropriate. Yeah. And mothers and fathers get a certain amount of emotional uh, reinforcement from their kids. They're proud of their child, and they, you know, and they... The child coos and uh, mm. upchucks on their shoulders and so forth, <laughs> yes. and everything's fine. Yep. Uh, eventually, though, the child has to learn to stand on his or her own feet. Right. And, you know, by trial and error, and the parents have to be willing to allow their child to have a certain amount of autonomy. But they have to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. And boundaries are, I think, one of the most important words in the English language in terms of relationships. And it's the one that gets violated so often. Oh, yeah. With bad results. Yep. And if any of our listeners want to say, okay, where is my boundary as opposed to others around me? Mm-hmm. Do I have clear boundaries? Do they have clear boundaries? Yeah. Boundaries do not mean we're excluding anybody. We're not saying you can't cross this boundary, but we have to know when people are entering our boundary. We can invite them in. Yes. And know that we can change it at any time. Where the problem is that we don't feel that we can set boundaries with other people. And we don't know that we have to. And sometimes that happens, Mm. particularly in relationships, when Mm -hmm. we don't even know it's happening. The person is eventually intruding in our boundaries, and Mm. we forget we have it, or we're afraid to establish it, because if we establish a boundary, that person might leave me. And that is the most terrifying thing for a lot of people. It really is. And so we keep adjusting and particularly if you have a relationship where there's domestic violence or emotional violence mm-hmm. and we're not even you know we just take it for granted or uh, that person loves me so much that uh, that person won't let me go uh-uh that mm-hmm. isn't love yeah that is control yeah and where some, sometimes we have the idea, I'm so frightened to be alone that I will give anything to prevent that. Mm. And I know this occurred to me after, my, after uh, the death of someone, mm-hmm. where at the same time, my blindness had become complete. Mm. And so I was adjusting, one, to the loss of an important person, Right. At the same time, I was also trying to find my way, literally, yeah. uh, because I could not see anymore. And so somebody came along and said, oh, don't worry about it. I will take care of you. And, <laughs> right. Right. And I, I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Sure. And then realized that this person, A, is a narcissist, and B, 
with taking that literally. I will take care mm. of you. Don't do anything other than what yeah. I tell you to do. Yep. Or what I let you do. And, you know, that was really bad news for me. Fortunately, you know, I began to get a little more, get into the self-esteem again and say, right. wait a minute, this is not what what I want a relationship to be all about. Mm -hmm. And part of what happened was I, I was so miserable that I went to the training center in Littleton to learn how to be a successful blind person. Yes. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff I already knew, but it was reinforced. And, and as a result of all that, I ended the relationship and, in fact, made the decision to stay here in Denver, a decision that I absolutely have never regretted. Wow. And because, one... I did get into another relationship, one that was very mm -hmm. successful. Yeah. We had boundaries. We uh, supported one another. And see, an, a, an idea as an adult, uh, I don't like cooking. Uh -huh. And the other person loves cooking, but makes a mess of the kitchen after <laughs> the meal is over. Right. And I don't mind cleaning up afterwards yeah in fact i put on my earphones i have the you know have music or the news on and the time passes freely yep for sure now you could say oh that person is dependent on me to clean up or i'm dependent on that person to for my food no i'm sure. perfectly capable of cooking yeah. i just am not that thrilled with it and other people <laughs> right. are yeah. so that's what I call an interdependency. And that's right. what, we, what yes. you want is an interdependency where the person you're with uh, has certain thing, likes and dislikes and skills that uh, we may or may not have. But on the other hand, we have skills that we bring into a relationship and that the mm -hmm. two together and I think most importantly... The relationship between you and the other person is open enough that other people can come in and be friends with each of us mm -hmm. or both of us, depending on you know what uh, the the person the other person brings to the friendship. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, if we can say to our partner, "I'm I'm going to go." Uh, uh, do something with uh, whatever the name of the person, and mm -hmm. I know you don't really like to do that, so it's okay with you. I'm gonna, you know, go do that, and I'll be back in, you know, an hour, a couple hours, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the other person say, "Great, have a good time, and uh, I'll see you later." Yeah, that's where we've got some uh, freedom in the relationship. Yeah. A lot of times, financial is one way that, that somebody uh, keeps control over another person. So it's real important, I think, for both parties to know the finances, to know when you're in a relationship, mm -hmm. to be comfortable to talk about it, to share, make decisions together. That's yeah. when 
you have a an emotional dependency on another person that isn't destructive. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I talk about, you know, uh, buying something together, don't feel like it. I'm being taken advantage of. You don't feel like you're being taken advantage of. And that's a healthy kind of relationship out of the dependency role. Right. But a lot of times we get, and and sometimes it's the way we're brought up, what we Mm -hmm. see. Uh, I've had clients who, a parent, a father was abusive of their mother. The mother abused her. Mm-hmm. And she thought that was the way a relationship was. And so, yeah. lo and behold, she got into the same kind of relationship because that was all mm-hmm. she saw. Yeah. And so it was, but you see, the thing is, the person has to learn uh, their own self-esteem. And then when you add on to it, the person having a, uh, a trauma that causes the loss of eyesight, or they become physically disabled in one way or another, you become much more dependent on another Mm -hmm. person, and that's appropriate to a point. Yeah. And then after it, when the person is taking advantage of you, of your dependency, or Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes what happens in relationships, the spouse gets their goodies from being the caretaker yep. of the person. Yep. And I've had situations where I've had a husband uh, recovering from uh, alcohol abuse, and the wife is totally, ple- oh, it's wonderful, he's sober now, but then she's lost some self-esteem that comes sure. from being the caretaker of the family. He's trying to... Right. Uh, trying to get some, not control over the family, but to have input. And I've had situations where the couple breaks up and she turns around and marries another active alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Because she can't handle that kind of uh, equal partnership. Or autonomy. And that's the damage. That's the damage. So when we look at our relationships, in the beginning, when we fall in love, I think fall in love is, you know, it's a bad condition. In a oh, way. <laughs> because we lose all perspective and right. we become, you know, emotionally dependent on each other. And in fact, for a while, we don't even talk to anybody else in, in, in our world mm-hmm. because we're so enamored of that person. And that's fine for a little while. Yeah. But it's when that becomes a constant or when one or the other takes advantage of it, mm-hmm. either by insisting upon being the caretaker right. or being abusive, right. either emotionally or physically, yep. then we then something has to change. And part of what has to happen, number one, is we discover that that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, before the police become involved. Right. Or we uh, have a sense, okay, we need to see somebody to help us with this uh, enmeshment that's going on. Interestingly enough, I've worked with same 
same-gender couples. And uh, women know how to be intimate with one another. Right. Men are not so hot at that. But mm -hmm. and when it's two women in a relationship, sometimes they become so enmeshed that yeah. they, there's no air in the relationship. Yep. With two men in a relationship, they have a struggle coming together. Yeah. You know, they're both in opposite ends of the room, and you have to. I have to teach them how to have a healthy sure. relationship without giving up their autonomy. Yeah. And it's. It's a training. We don't look at that very. We don't have any courses in in high school about being a couple, right? We we, we have home economics. <laughs> yeah, right. But that's but that's it. And, and and the the thing is, we learn by trial and error, or hopefully, we have role models from parents or mm -hmm. grandparents where they have a healthy healthy interaction that allows them to be autonomous mm -hmm. uh, within a relationship and where yeah. the kids feel they have some autonomy. And that's, that's where it starts. And one can hope as we, uh, with couples therapy, you know, a lot of talk now about relationships and what's healthy, that we can teach children mm -hmm. to have healthy relationships. Well, there's... There's there's two sides to every coin, and I want to make sure that we're defining both of these types of dependency. One, the dependency that you're talking about, is a manipulative dependency where I let's say if I was the dependent one and I am manipulating or coercing somebody to stay with me right. because I can give them something that I believe they can't get on their own. So I'm going to provide for them financially, physically, emotionally, with their food, with their health care, with all those kinds of things. And I am taking so much control from their lives that they have to depend on me. And, right. and that's kind of a dependency from my perspective perspective because i need them to need me yeah you're not manipulating. Need them to want me right i'm manipulating the entire situation right. the converse of that is you have people in relationships you were just talking about where you'll have an emotional uh dependency in a neediness fashion so if if i were to be in a relationship and i'm i'm very clingy and needy and and whining and need to be around that person all the time it can it can be very grating and that sort of dependency is also not healthy right and so taking those two frameworks apart you can run into some very interesting um health not only physical uh problems but you can run into emotional ones so uh stockholm syndrome uh was is more, I guess, on the extreme of the manipulation mm -hmm. sort of dependency side of it. But you also have, uh, what was the one you were mentioning earlier um, uh, for the emotional? Well, we call, we, we can call it codependency. That's a word that you yeah, can yeah, yeah, throw yeah. around a lot. Yes, yes. And, and so... One, one thing I want to do, one thing I want to make, make real clear when we talk about a relationship, we have to look at it not either or, but at the continuum uh, between, yes. uh, on one end, I call it codependency, the other end tends to be the narcissism. Mm -hmm. And let me, let me uh, clarify the two. The yeah. codependent says, I have no needs, 
your needs are my needs. Yeah. And the narcissist says, uh, I don't care about your needs. My needs are everything. <laughs> yes. So what we have to talk about is being in the middle, where yeah. I know where what my needs are. I know yep. what I need, and I know that uh, I have the expectations that those needs can be met by you, if yes. not you, by my own ability. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the narcissist has to give up that idea that he, he or she is everything and understand that they have needs, they have a right to the, having those needs met, but it has to be a bargain between the two people as to how each of their needs are met. Yeah, and I, I'm going to push back on you, and maybe this is just because I'm, I'm the layperson here, but when I hear the word bargain, it feels like it's a, a give and take at a transactional level rather than a interdependent level where, let's say you and I are... Uh, we're going to go on a vacation, Bill, and and I am really bad. Let's say I'm really bad at planning right. the vacation, but you're really good at it. Right. I'm going to depend on you to yes, exactly um, to to create this amazing vacation. Right. Now my my giftings and and my skill set may come in being able to have the money and the budget to make sure we have the funds to do right. something like that. Right. And so we can pay for the food and the hotel and and like all the kind of stuff that we want to do and go to Disneyland or whatever we want to do. But though that type of interdependency where it is a I'm going to heighten and I'm going to come in and fill in the gaps that your week in and we're going to compliment each other that way right and you're going right. to fill in the gaps that i am weak in and we're going to compliment each other there's a humility there there's a give and take where that is a mutually beneficial thing rather than right. a absolutely push and pull transaction yeah but you see when you had the codependent person who says uh whatever whatever uh jonathan wants uh, it was fine with me. Right. And Jonathan says, well, uh, that person is not going to uh, have any input. I'm in control. It's going to be the kind of vacation I want. <laughs> right. Yes. That's where the imbalance, and that's when I talk about yep. negotiating. When, If yeah. I can say to you, Jonathan, you know, that's a great idea, but, you know, one thing that I, I need to have on a vacation is X, can can mm-hmm. we figure out a way that that can happen for me, or as you say, my planning? Here's what I plan to do. Now, tell me, Jonathan, uh, are you satisfied with this arrangement? I mean, does this yeah. feel okay? Does it meet your needs? Yeah. And uh, I'm open to hear any suggest hear any suggestion you may have. That's what I'm when I talk about yeah. negotiating. I'm not call. You know, you're calling up a lawyer and saying, look, we want to go on vacation. <laughs> you know, we got to work this out. <laughs> but if we're not used to doing it, it may come, come to yeah. that point. That's right. And one of the things that I, I do with couples is I invite them uh, to plan 20 minutes uh, a couple times a week where they sit at a table, face each other, and they talk about what, you know, what's going on with them, what they need, uh, and and the other listens 
for say five minutes, listen, and then before the other responds, they say, uh, and they paraphrase what they just heard. Mm-hmm. And at the end they say, did I get it right? And the other yep. person, person says yes, or well, you missed this. And in yeah. this way, because we have difficulty hearing, right. I may be hearing impaired, but a lot of people are emotionally hearing impaired. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And so that. what the, the exercise is to get you to paraphrase so that your partner knows that you've been listening. Mm-hmm. And it also helps you to be sure you're understanding what you're hearing instead of going off uh, half-cock with uh, uh, an understanding that's incomplete. And then the couple... You know, it's an exercise, but it's a training exercise, so they begin to hear each other differently than they did before. Well, you're talking about a heart talk, and it's it's a very common um, tool used in couples counseling. I've used it before, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a very effective method to be able to say, "My heart feels okay," blank, and then the other person says, "I hear." I hear you saying that your heart feels blank. Did I get that right? Right. Mm-hmm. And that is such, it, it sounds so simple and so stupid on, on the surface, but when you're going through it, whether you're in an, an emotionally dependent relationship or not, when you're going through it, sometimes taking it back to square one and just having that conversation like a child, my heart feels hurt. Okay. Well, I, I hear you. Your heart feels hurt. Why does it feel hurt? My heart feels hurt because da da da. I hear you say my heart feels hurt because da 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 da. And when you break it down, you you lose all of the fluff around the real issue and the monotony right. around all that that stuff. I want to circle back to one thing that you mentioned earlier when you were talking about getting out of the dependent relationship. You were mentioning the, and I'm gonna kind of re say what you said, the advocacy for yourself in gaining skills in your blind journey and your, in your blind abilities mm-hmm. oh, allowed you to set yourself free from that relationship. Right. What are some other ways that people can kind of separate themselves from a dependent relationship that's not really advocacy? I, mean, I guess in addition to advocacy. Well, I think, that, number one, we have to recognize what's going on. These kinds yeah. of breakdowns in relationships is sometimes are so subtle that it, it's only when we step back that we say, oh, my God, you know, when did this shift? <laughs> yes. And we have to become aware of our feelings and, you know, where something is wrong. And this is what, what I had, something that didn't quite right and what do I do about it? And it had to be drastic in my case. But, uh, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone, you know, again, something I would would uh, tell a couple when, I'm, uh, when they're in my office. You yeah. are here, but, you know, your mo- each of your mom and dads are here. And you, yeah. even your grandparents are here because they have you know, set up certain patterns of relationships that we imitate. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the sad part is we assume our partner has the same rules and set up and but understand what we're saying. 
Yeah. And sometimes in the in the clinical office is the first time where one partner says, "What? That's a rule in your family? That was never a rule in my family. Mm-hmm. No wonder we're out of sync." Yeah. And see, that's the kind of thing that doesn't say that your parents are wrong. It just means that in a couple, you've got to set up some new rules that are going to be applied to both of you. Now, it sounds like negotiating. It is really negotiating. It's understanding. Look, this is what I want in this relation. This is how I want this relationship to be. And the person says, sure, I agree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we, we have to work on it. But, Bill, that's such a healthy way to look. I mean, that's a healthy relationship. You're defining yeah, exactly. a healthy way to express two people coming together and working out something that right. they both have in their past. It, that's, that's a part of natural daily living. And if you can't do that effectively, you're going to struggle. Yeah. That's right, and that's why some relationships go on so long, they struggle so long, they get exhausted, and they want out. When really the element is there for the relationship to work, it's just that they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not something we talk a lot about. And sometimes you, you, know, you may go to your parents and get some bad information about yeah. how a relationship is supposed to work. And so that's why, you know, couples counselors will be around for uh, the next thousand years because we have trouble making it work. Yeah. But it does mean that it, we, can, uh, we can work it out on our own. It just sometimes it requires a third party to make observations mm-hmm. and help us to see what's going on or things uh, change in the, in the relationship. And the changes are so subtle that we don't we aren't paying attention until it is you know it starts to hurt or something something's going off the rail. Right. And that's when we have to say, okay, let's sit down and talk about this and see what's going on. Sometimes even even when the children come in, then uh, you know the, the wife, for example, may start taking all her emotional energy and putting it on the children and the husband is not used to that and is very yeah. feels left out. Yep. And it's that kind of thing and, and what's real important is if somebody can intervene or the wife can say, you know, you're you've been distant. What's going on? And and I know some couples who Say, you know, we love the kids, but we need some time to ourselves. We need yeah, to be, absolutely. you know, re-understand our relationship or let the relationship be new or newer. Right. And, yeah. you know, with the children, an important part, but we don't feel like we're losing something because of the children. Yeah. And that's I think, work. Yeah, it absolutely is. And for for everybody out there listening who may be either going through a a relationship or or whether it be with a parent, a spouse, a sibling, and you and you've got that level of dependency, one thing that for me is really good is to invite another party into a conversation and say, "Hey, are you seeing anything that is kind of 
because I'm that I'm not seeing when it comes to this dependency because oftentimes the people on the outside if we have good trust with them are going right. to be able to tell us the truth and so one is asking somebody on the outside a parent a, 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 another friend a co-worker that you're close with um, a sibling something like that and just simply ask them if they see anything that that could be um, effective and then the other one is to reach out to if you see uh, especially in signs of abuse reach out to your local authority and get out and if it gets to the point where that dependency becomes an abusive situation right you've got to get out and um we'll we'll post some links in the description about, about how to uh, kind of navigate out of those situations find a friend um, just pack up and leave if you can uh, but whatever you can do get you and if there's kids involved get the kids safe and so yeah any any other things to add to that bill but to, to add to that uh i'm sorry but Physical abuse is not a sign of a healthy relationship. Amen. That's if right. There, if there is abuse going on, but a lot of times people interpret, well, he loves me, mm-hmm. and, you know, so I just accept. No, yeah. no, 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 no. No. We've got to be caring for ourselves. And if the relationship yeah. is not allowing us to care for ourselves within the relationship, then something's wrong. That's right. And it, it does take a lot of trust. And a lot of times in, in these abusive relationships, we don't have anybody to turn to. That's, That's so sad. the sad part because we've it become is. so enmeshed in the other individual and that we just forget. And that's why people get very, real confused. Why did she generally, as the, you know, uh, as the uh, female partner, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of abusive uh, uh, gay relationships, lesbian yeah. relationships. Uh, why did that person stay in there? Well, they knew, you know, they were in it, and they thought they would be totally lost without it. Yeah, that's such a dangerous and scary place yeah, to be. Exactly, exactly. But a healthy relationship is when, you know, I have respect for you, you have respect for me. And that we know that we're working together uh, on something, on uh, on the relationship, on being mm-hmm. uh, healthy within the relationship. And then again, it's the it's the definition of what's healthy. Right. I think that the message for people is to not be afraid to look at the relationship. Yeah. And say okay, is this relationship working for me? Mm-hmm. And if I, if there's a piece of me that says it isn't, I have to pay attention, but it doesn't mean I have to leave. It right. means that some work has to be done for the two of us. Mm-hmm. And I have to encourage the partner to be willing to work. Yeah. And to takes two. care enough about me and about the relationship to put some effort in. You know, when we talk about going to see a counselor, you know, some people have diarrhea for a week, you know, even at the thought <laughs> of taking that risk. Right. Uh, counselors are awesome. You're awesome, Bill. <laughs> counselors are great people. 
<laughs> I was I was joking with somebody that uh, counselors are are make the worst patients because they just sit there and want to listen instead of want to tell you what their you, problems are. You got it. <laughs> you got, well, we we therapists think we don't have any problems. We know how to solve them all. Right. Yeah. It's a. It's. Yeah, that's classic case of a doctor. High, high suicide rate, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah, I know. I, fortunately, I've had enough people in my life who kind of keep me <laughs> earthbound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. well, this has been a fun show, Bill. Yeah. I appreciate you uh, being the host, and um, yeah, it's been fun. Good luck for your week, and to all of you. Thank you. Listening to Blindside, thank you for being here. Look forward to a continuation for at least another year of Blindside, if not more. Mm-hmm.